Amen. Well, open your Bibles this evening to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. Charles Steinmetz, known as the patron saint of General Electric, was the genius, actually, that pioneered alternating current. Now, for those of you that don't know what that is, that's what you plug into the wall. That's called alternating current. That was a major deal. Um, That is currently making possible, you know, everything that we have in our life. And and his discoveries made the expansion of electric power throughout this country. And there's a list of things that he did. Um, His actual design for electric motors are still in use today. Henry Ford founder and president of Ford Motors had asked this electrical genius, Charles Steinmetz, to build generators to actually be used in his automobile factory. And so Mr. Steinmetz did that and they were implemented. But one day the generators just quit working and the factory stood still. And none of the repairmen at uh, Ford could find the problem. So what did they do? Um, Well, in desperation, Henry Ford called up Charles Steinmetz uh, to come and fix the generators. And Steinmetz came. And he tinkered with the machines for a couple hours. And sure enough, the generators came back on and all was well. But later, Ford received a bill for $10,000 from Steinmetz. Now, Ford was kind of a tight wad. Um, he was puzzled why it cost so much for the repair. So he sent a little note uh, to Mr. Steinmetz. Steinmetz replied. He said, for tinkering with the generators, it was only $100. But for knowing where to tinker was $9,900. <laughs> Ford paid the bill. So tonight, we want to talk about looking for wisdom in a far greater place than just knowing where to look for uh, in problems and mechanical devices. We're looking at wisdom that is not of our own. Wisdom that is not of our own, but it is a wisdom that will actually save your soul. Uh, so here in Solomon, in chapter 3, and we spent the last few weeks there, he is talking about wisdom here and he's writing about it as a father speaking to his son. He's telling his son about the source of true wisdom. In verse 1 he says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commands. Encourage him not to abandon the wise teaching that he's been giving. Teaching is undoubtedly here the wisdom that was taught to Solomon from God himself. In verse 2, he says, for length of days and years of life and peace, they will add to you. So following the wisdom of God brings promise of reward in our life, reward for quality life, reward obviously for eternal life, but possibly even for extended life in uh, in this world. Verse 3 says, let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you, bind them around your neck, write them on the tablets of your heart. Now, the, the men of old, the, the priests of old, took this, you know, verbatim and literal, and they wrote these things, put it on their head, didn't do much good. 
But basically, it was saying here that wise men to be characterized uh, by kindness and steadfast love and that their lives should be guided, actually, by truth. He goes in verse 4, so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. So following these things, the wisdom of God just didn't bring... Uh, you know, favor with God, but it brings peace in this world, peace with people in the world. This is what Solomon was telling his son. Trust in the Lord, he says in verse 5, and with all your heart, do not lean upon your own understanding. So Solomon gives a description really of a qualifier of life lived in wisdom, that this must be trust entirely upon the Lord and exclusively on the Lord. All of our wisdom then is sifted uh, that we have in our own life is sifted through our own lust and our own sin. We must trust in the wisdom of God. And then in verse 6, he kind of wraps all things up in case he's missed anything. He says, in all of your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your path. Uh, not that it will not have uphill battles and there won't be struggles in our lives at times, But God will be with us and he will direct us. And so then Solomon gives another type of summary of all the above in a directive and a plea to his son here in verse 7. And he's asking his son that, you know, not to be characterized, that his life not to be characterized by his own wisdom, not to rely on his own wisdom, which is the wisdom of men, but by the wisdom of God. So We pick it up here in verse 7. He says, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Turn away from evil. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. So tonight we want to look at this. And as we look at it, we want to see the wisdom of fools. Number two, we'll be looking at the wisdom in fear. And then finally, the wisdom that heals. So first, the wisdom of fools. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Now, what is wisdom? What is wisdom? What does it mean to be wise? And the word here, wise, means learned, uh, shrewd. It means prudent. But wisdom is not just knowledge. Wisdom is not just knowledge. Wisdom is knowing how to apply the knowledge, how to live in this world, actually. Uh, Knowing which way to turn at the crossroads. Do I turn right? Do I turn left? Do I go straight? Uh, What decisions to make when? What what do I do in this situation? That's when. In other words, what logic do you use? What standards of life do you use? How do you uh, make these decisions? Wisdom is is knowing uh, truly what you're even to accomplish in this life. What, What is this life about? Solomon gives the most basic warning. For one who desires to be wise, he says, don't be wise in your own eyes. Now, our own eyes is is referring here to our our spiritual faculties, our mental uh, capacities. Don't rely on your own wisdom, he says. Don't rely on your own discernment. Later in chapter 26, he writes, do you see a man wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. So Solomon's literally saying that this one who's living by his own standard, living on his own wisdom, his own knowledge, his own discernment, would be better off if he was a complete fool. 
uh, in reality, at least he would have an excuse if he was a complete fool. And even perhaps the Lord would maybe have mercy on him. Isaiah talks about such a man in Isaiah 5. He says, woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and clever in their own sight. You ever known people like that? They seem to know a little bit about everything, but not much about anything. Paul gave the same warning in Romans 12. He says, do not be haughty in your mind. Do not be wise in your own estimation." In other words, don't think too highly of your own rationalization, of your own discernment. So what is the problem with self-confidence? What is the problem of this self-wisdom? Well, first of all, we need to consider the source of self-confidence. We need to consider the source of our own wisdom. Self-wisdom is all in our own flesh. Your own flesh is the source of what? Sin and wickedness. That's what Scripture tells us. So, Jeremiah 17 says, the heart is deceitful above all things. What is inside of you and me is deceitful above all things. He goes on to say, desperately wicked, who can know it? In other words, you cannot even predict how evil your heart could be. I mean, there's people who do things, and, and even later on, they were like, I don't even understand why I did that. There's people, things that happen in this world today, we think, how in the world could somebody really do that? But the heart of man is deceitfully wicked. The natural man has no concern for the things of God. The natural man is not thinking about the things of God. David states in Psalms 14, and it repeats again in, in 53, he says, The fool have said in his own heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that does good. So a person who lives in self-wisdom lives by his self-will. They're doing what they want to do. They don't care about anyone. They're corrupt, and they do abominable things. They do crazy things. And we see this all around us today. I mean, think over the weekend, there was at least four mass shootings in our country for, for just no good reasons. I mean, there was a, two things here in Mobile, I think, just in the last 36 hours that, I mean, it's just people shooting each other. Paul in Romans 1, though, talks about this. He says, for the, since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his external power and divine nature has been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made. In other words, being understood by man so that they are without excuse. But he goes on to say, for even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. That person who is wise in their own mind, wise in their own heart, Paul said is a fool. They were full. They turn away from the things of God. They look into themselves for the answer to all these things. And he later states that none of these are good and none of them do good. The way of God they have not known. When there is no God, there certainly is no fear of God. When these 
turn their back on God, they have no fear in God. And sin reigns in their heart, and each man goes his own way. This is the way of the fool. This is the way of the man who is self-willed, self-confident, self-dependent. Psalms 36, David said this, The transgression of the wicked says within my heart, There is no fear of God before his eyes. So self-wisdom and self-will leads to ruin. This is, this is where they're going to end up, in other words. Proverbs 18 says, before destruction, the heart of man is haughty, but before honor is humility. Destruction is what awaits the self-willed man. But if one desires honor, humility is to be the mark of their life. This is what David was saying here. There is a warning against self-confidence. This self-confidence is uh, is connected to the wisdom that Solomon has just shared with us. It's the the antithesis of that. They discard the the teaching of others. Their kindness and truth are absent in their character. They have no desire for the favor of God. One wise in their own eyes, lean to their own understanding. Self-wisdom is the folly and delusion of that self-willed man. They're completely foolish. There's no redeeming character in them. Wisdom from a man's own heart is sin. It's our nature. It's because of Adam. Recall how Satan deceived Adam and Eve in the garden. You recall what he said. He said, indeed, really, did God say this? And then so, with that put in question, Adam and Eve goes and does what they want to do. They did what was good in their own eyes. They exercised their own wisdom. And we see the results of that. This is the same lead-in that people, many today, use to justify their own sin. We see it going on in our country, around the world today, to justify living their own wisdom, living their own sin. You know, in their minds, they're saying, well, God really didn't mean such and such. And they fill in their own wisdom to justify their sin. And we see this today throughout our world today. This is foolish. This is folly. They will not bring joy. This will not bring joy to their life. This will not bring stability to their life. And it surely will not bring them eternal life. It will only bring ruin. It will only bring destruction. It will only bring judgment. This is the one that is self-willed. This is wisdom that is for fools. This is wisdom that's foolish. But there's wisdom and fear that Solomon goes on and tells us here. And he says, do not be wise in your own eyes, but fear the Lord and turn away from evil. What he's saying is put self-confidence, put self-wisdom away. It will only lead to evil. Now the word for fear here means reverence for God, standing in awe of God, honor of God. It, it is, it, but it is a wise man who fears God. Now, when you think about who God is, he is sovereign. He is holy. 
He is powerful. And there's a, one thing that we, as we're thinking about these things, that we leave out a lot of time. God hates sin. He hates sin. I mean, there's nothing about sin that God enjoys. And so there's a reality here. This fear that we're talking about needs to be in all of us to understand that God hates sin. And only a fool would live in sin and not fear God. The connection here between fear and the Lord and the hatred of sin, we can see this coming together, that if one actually fears God then there is in themselves a hatred of evil and sin. Some will, will learn that wisdom of God easy as they hear of his holiness and they submit to his will. But then others, they'll learn it through the smoke of trial and tribulation in their life. As we sing the song, some through the water, some through the flood, some through the fire, some through great sorrow but all through the blood. I mean, some, we don't learn so easy. It takes a little bit more. Solomon said in Proverbs 3, he says, My son, do not reject the discipline of the Lord or loathe his reproof from whom the Lord loves, he reproves. Even as a father corrects the son in whom he delights, how blessed is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. I mean, if you know the Lord, the Lord is going to teach you wisdom. He is going to give you wisdom. And many times, it is going to be through trials and temptations in our life. Wisdom can come from discipline. Wisdom can come through discipline. It can come through suffering at times. This the way it was the way it was with Job. All was well with his soul until it wasn't. I mean, he had lost everything. I mean, Job was a righteous man who was known for living in the fear of the Lord, but he could learn even more. We never become wise enough that we ourselves should think that we cannot be taught wisdom from above. We, we cannot have another understanding of God that we don't think that we can learn anymore. Job, in his own book of wisdom, asked the question in in Job 28, he asked this, but where shall wisdom be found? Now, he had gone through all of these things. And in his mind, he's asking, why am I going through these things? He was a righteous man. He lived in fear of God. And his the family was destroyed. Everything he had was destroyed. And he asked, from where then does wisdom come? Where is the place of understanding? And he goes on, man does not know its worth, its worth of wisdom. And it is not found in the land of the living. From where then does wisdom come? Where is the place of understanding? He repeats again. But he answers his own question in verse 23 of chapter 28. He said, God understands the way to it. See, wisdom comes from God. Job, even in all of this, understood that God is over all of this. There's nothing outside of his control. He knows what's going here. I don't know what's going on here, but God knows. He said, behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. 
That is wisdom. And to turn away from evil is understanding. So Solomon repeats Job here to plead with his son to be wise in fearing the Lord. Running away from evil is understanding what is going on. We need to understand that tonight. To be wise in the things of God means that we run from evil. We run from sin. We're not entertaining evil or think that we can toy with evil. We resist evil. We depart from its way. We turn aside from it. James 4, 7 says, Submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. I mean, if we're caught up in sin, if we're, there's times in our life that we, we make decisions that are wrong. We make decisions that send us down the wrong road. And as a believer, there's one answer to that. Repent and go and sin no more. Run, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Recall Joseph. We call the story of Joseph when he was tempted by Potiphar's wife. Now, think about all of this. Joseph had been given everything. He had been released from jail. He had been put in charge now of everything. And then there's Potiphar's wife. Now, his own fleshly lust, his own arrogance, his own pride could, could have probably led him into a great sin. But, you know, Joseph had a fear for the Lord. He knew the Lord was holy. He knew the, that the Lord would judge sin one day. In Genesis 39, he says, How then could I do this great evil and sin against God? He separated himself from evil. He sought the things of the Lord. He put aside the things of his flesh. He did not seek wisdom that would, would satisfy his own desires. He ran out even leaving his cloak behind he got out of there as fast as he could when one fears God they hate sin and and sin is resisted they turn from evil because God hates evil Job was even described as a man that was blameless he was upright he was fearing God he was turning away from evil but he learned it again to fear God even more to to that wisdom was to fear him. Wisdom, once again, was to stay away, keep my mind away even from blaming all of this upon God. When we have a reverent fear for God, we have a desire to pursue his ways. This is part of understanding who God is. We, we, we stand before him when we see his holiness. And there's a desire to please him. This wisdom will drive us away from evil. It will keep our path straight. This is how God keeps our path straight. He shows us the disparity in evil from a a, a holy life. That there is nothing good in it. It has no reward at the end. The fear of the Lord will make a man be repulsed by evil. We need to run from it. Proverbs 8 says this, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogance in the evil way, he goes on to say, In the perverted mouth, I hate. This is God speaking. This is God speaking. I hate the evil way. And so, as children of God, as, as, as we seek the wisdom of God, we need to stay away from the evil of this world. Stay away as far as we can from it. When we see it, we run. 
Proverbs 16, he says, By loving kindness and truth, iniquity is atoned for, and by the fear of the Lord, one keeps away from evil. So once again, it's that the man of flesh will be self-confident, self-willed, because he actually is dead in his sin. That person that's dead in his sin do not understand these things. You know, when Paul said in Ephesians 2 that we are dead in sin, that we have no real consciousness of the things of the Lord. We have no wisdom of the things of the Lord. As we look at the world around us and we wonder why in the world people do such and such and why those that are lost don't behave like, uh, like you do, it's because of this. They're dead in their sin. They have no wisdom of God. They have no thoughts about God. They live in pride. They live in arrogance. They're self-willed, self-motivated, and self-justified in their sin. Everything is justified by their own needs, by their own desires. I deserve. How many things that end up in sin start out, I deserve this. I deserve that. You know, the rare jewel of Christian contentment would tell us that we deserve death. That's what we deserve. From a holy God, everything in our life doesn't match his holiness. And we would deserve death, but in his grace, in his mercy, he has given us life. And so we are to pursue after the things that he loves. These that exist in pride and are self-willed, there are none righteous. There's not even one in the bunch. To fear God is to pursue righteousness and to run away from sin, to run away from evil. To fear God is to put away our own wisdom. Put away that wisdom that is foolish. To put away that wisdom that only leads to death. To desire the wisdom that's from above. James 1 says, if you lack wisdom. If you lack wisdom. If you lack wisdom, really, he's talking about wisdom even to to walk through the trials of life. to, To get through those tribulations of life. He says, if you lack wisdom... Let him ask of God who will give to you generously without reproach, not sparingly, not just a little bit. He will give you what you ask for because he desires for your success. He desires for you to be able to walk through these. He desires for you to learn wisdom in these trials. The fear of the Lord results in the trust in the Lord. God's wisdom then becomes an anchor. Uh, becomes an anchor for the soul of a man. We cannot hold to self-confidence and and continue to honor the Lord. These two things are opposed to each other. It it makes us a double-minded man. We're we're trying to do things our way and things of God's way. They don't match up. Our flesh is always going to choose the wrong way. Our flesh will always choose the wrong way. It is the, the, the new heart, the new nature that, that God puts in us that would even think about choosing God's way. James said in James 1.8, being a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. There's just not just little thing that's off, this one little thing that's off, unstable in all their ways. Depending on self for anything will end in disaster, in other words. The lust of a man's own heart will cause his destruction. Each one is tempted, James said, and carried away by and enticed by his own lust. That's his own flesh. 
So the wisdom of man does not understand the things of God. It is considered foolishness to him. Paul wrote of this in in 1 Corinthians 1. He said, for the word of the cross is folly. It's foolishness to them that are perishing. But what is it to those that are being saved? It's power. It's the power of God. Man's wisdom will be destroyed. Paul, quoting Isaiah, he goes on in, in verse 19 of chapter 1, he says, For it written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. I mean, this is what God is promising to do, that those that are living on their own wisdom, that are, are self-confident, self-motivated, self-willed. But wisdom of God is wisdom that is through Christ. And it's given to God's elect. It's given to you and me. Later on in, in, in chapter 1 in, in 1 Corinthians, he says, Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of the age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? All of the things that the world would think that would be precious in the eyes of God, who would ever think that God himself would come to earth and become a man like Jesus Christ? A lowly man. The wisdom of the world would never have done that. The wisdom of the world was continually looking for a man who would come that would be king. He would, he would be, you know, a valiant looking man. This was not Christ. He said the wisdom of the world, those that did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and folly to the Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greek, Christ, the power of God, the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God is Jesus Christ. When we come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ in repentance and faith and in putting our trust in him, we are given the wisdom of God, and that is Jesus Christ. And his Holy Spirit comes to live in us. And as we've spoken here before, this is his word. And through his Holy Spirit, we're, our minds are illuminated. We are given uh, discernment in how to apply that word to our day-to-day life. That is true wisdom. Applying God's word. Can, he goes on to say, not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Yes, God chooses the foolish. God chooses the lowly. God chooses the poor. But that's astounding to the world. That's so you and I cannot go and and brag about all that we have done all that we know, all the, the things that, that we're empowered, been empowered to do, it is all about God. And Paul goes on to say, and because of him you are in Christ who became to us wisdom from God. This is where the, the true wisdom comes from. Uh, inevitably, Solomon could not have understood all there was about Christ, but he was looking towards God. He was believing and trusting in God at that time. And truly, today we have Christ is the wisdom of God. He is the wisdom from above. Solomon and all that wisdom of God gave, he gave this wisdom directly to his son. He, he told him to seek that wisdom. 
seek the wisdom that I am telling you. Seek the wisdom that comes from the fear of God. Because in this, you will keep yourself from evil. And in this, this will be a, a, a wisdom that truly has power in it. And then finally, he talks about the wisdom that heals. Look what he says in this next verse. Fear the Lord. He says it leads to desire to know the Lord. And this man who knows the Lord will trust in the wisdom of God. And he goes on to say it will be healing to your body and a refreshment to your bones. Now that word healing means repair your body. It's almost a picture of your body when you are living self-willed. When you're living in sin, that body is just like torn apart. It's not meant to be in disunion with God. Our bodies, our our cells were were made, created by God to be in a relationship with God. And when we were not in it, we are messed up. We are broken parts. And he says it will be healing to your body. And and that word body there, I looked up the word in in the Hebrew, it says navel. Like in your navel. I think that just means fleshly body. (laughs) Get the thing with the navel. But that bones there, when we see the word bones, that means the substance of a man, who you are. So it's both physical and it's spiritual here of healing. When, when we're looking and trusting in the wisdom that is from God, it's going to be healed. Men living in their own wisdom is sin, but in sin many times, and, and truly most of the time, will cause physical and emotional sickness in our body. We see this in Scripture when David said in in Psalm 6, he says, I am pining away. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are dismayed. And he's talking about, I mean, even he is so burdened. He is so just weighted down with sin that his body aches. His body aches. And, and truly, in the Hebrew, they're talking about this feeling. And the only thing that they could come up with to think about, it's in your heart. It's in your gut. And, and you know what I'm talking about. You know, when you've done something wrong, you know you've sinned. And God has called your bluff. He has convicted your heart. Man, there is something right here until you repent. Do you ever get like that? Or is that just me that gets like that? I mean, there's a reality here. He says... In, verse, in cha- uh, chapter 32 of Psalms, he says, my bones wax cold. I mean, there's an aching when we're walking in sin. It weights us down. But the wisdom from above, it cures, it heals. Jesus talked about this in Matthew chapter 5. He said, blessed are those that are poor in spirit. Now, this poor in spirit is a brokenness over sin in their life. He goes on in the next verse that says, blessed are those that mourn. And all of these things are things that are happening inside us physically. It's happening inside us spiritually. But then he goes on and says that when we repent of those things, when we put our faith in the Lord, we become blessed. And that word blessed is a word makarios that that means permanently fulfilled it means permanently joyful these are the two things this is the thing that wisdom brings it's a permanent joy it's a permanent healing Uh, trust in the lord only It, it means to trust in him and lean not on our own understanding and this brings healing to our body 
both physically, mentally, and spiritually. This will bring blessedness, permanently fulfillment. It will bring joy of life. And this will bring the inheritance of heaven even. The wisdom of God is revealed through Jesus Christ in our relationship with him. 1 Corinthians one thirty says, By his doing you are in Christ who became to us the wisdom of God. It became to us righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. So Christ brings that healing to the believer as he himself has suffered the agony that was deserving to us. When he was on the tree, his body, he, it says in Psalm 23, in, in speaking of Christ, he says, I am poured out like water. And all of my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within me. So through Christ, who is the wisdom of God, we are made whole. We are healed. This is the healing wisdom of God. When we put our trust in Christ, sin continues to live in us. It continues to live in the person, but it is condemned to die. We, we see it in our life. We desire to put it to death. We desire to be away from it. That old man who let it rain has been put to death. Romans 6, Paul talks about that, knowing this, that the old man is crucified with Christ. That the body of sin might be destroyed. Yeah, sin is going to cling to us. It's never going to leave us alone. We can't push it all aside, but when we resist, it departs from us. And we are required and we are called to depart from it. Self-denial, the godly discipline of departing from evil, will will bring healing, will bring health to the heart and to even the whole body. It's just as Solomon stated in in, in verse 1, he said, let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. This is the promise of seeking the, the wisdom of God. This is the promise from stepping out from our own wisdom, stepping away from our own self-willed flesh. Turning from evil then will revive the heart and the soul of a man in his body will be refreshed. This is what Solomon is telling his son. One who fears the Lord will bring forth righteousness in their life. The fruit of righteousness will bloom out of their life. And, and, they, and they will be revived from this sin sickness. will be renewed energy to, to go on with the things of the Lord. And there will be renewed strength in us, both spiritually and physically. Nehemiah 8 says, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. This is where a believer's strength comes from. It is the joy of the Lord. So how or where do we find this wisdom? I mean, all of this come together. Solomon says we need to look for it. We need to seek after wisdom. We need to, to, to step away from self-wisdom. We need to get away from all those things that our flesh would desire. But, so where do we find this wisdom? Well, Solomon said put all your trust in the graces of God. Put all your trust in the Lord. Put Lean not on your own understanding, but trust wholly, exclusively, entirely upon the Lord. And, and once you were dead in your sin, you had no wisdom, but 
God made you alive. And so you put all of your trust in him. We put our trust in the grace of God. Ephesians 2, 8, for by grace you have been saved, and we trust in that grace of God. And he goes on to say, it says, to understand that he has set his love on you. He'll later on in, in, in Proverbs, he, he will talk about those that, 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 that we are not to reject that wisdom. For the love, the, Lord, the Lord's love, he reproves as a father, he corrects the son whom he delights. He delights in you because he loved you even before the foundation of the world. So we trust in that. We, we seek him in all that, that he has done for us. We remember that he desires to know you. He desires to guide you. He desires to hear from you. As we've spoken in these last weeks, God does not admonish you from failing. He admonishes you from not repenting before him. He wants to hear that from us. He wants us to come before him. He wants us to to admit our weakness. He wants us to lean on him. He goes on to say, submit all your mind to God's word. Do not lean on your own wisdom. Jesus said in, in Matthew 7, therefore everyone who hears the words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. You know, God's word, scripture, is not the wisdom of men. It was written by men, but it was penned by the Holy Spirit himself, the hand of the man who writes all that's in this book. The Holy Spirit was guiding. And so this is where we seek God. This is where we seek the wisdom of God as we study God's word, as we meditate on God's word, as we think about how do we apply God's word to our life. This is how we seek wisdom in our life. This is how we set aside the wisdom in our own life. This is how we hold up our own life, seeing what does not align with scripture. And as James says, we learn how to not be a hearer only, but be a doer of God's word. Not one that looks at his life, sees his life, but walks away and forget it. And lastly, as God shows us these things in his word, as he gives us these wisdom, we must apply it to our lives. We must apply these things to our heart. We must live it out in our life. It does us no good that we can repeat the things that God wrote in his book and not apply them to our life. Of course, once again, that would be a foolish man. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn from evil. This is what you know, God's word is telling us. And do not to be just a hearer. All that you desire is in the Lord. Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God. This is what to add. Seek his ways. Seek his righteousness. Seek his understanding. Seek his wisdom. And then he says, all, all of these things, all of these things that we desire in this world will be added unto you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for just the warning of what our self-wisdom can bring to us. Father, we have no wisdom on our own.
Father, our own, our own wisdom will only lead to evil. It'll only lead to sin. It'll only lead to our destruction. Father, give us wisdom to seek after you. Give us understanding as we read your word, Father, to how to understand how to apply it to our life. Father, that we would rejoice in knowing that we have great favor before you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.